and I just got fixated on this idea of wanting to feel superhuman, mm-hmm. you know, because I kind of felt trapped in my own life. So it was like superheroes are like, they're free, they're strong and nobody messes with them, but they're lifting other people up at the same time and they can do whatever they want. And that fixation just ended up becoming um, what I went after. Welcome to Her Money Club Stories. We do not talk about budgets, retirement, or the hustle and grind here. We talk about money, time, and energy freedom. We are here to reimagine our relationship with money, to collaborate and celebrate other women who are doing the same. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to explore your passions and monetize your skills and talents and what lights you up? Can you even make money and a living living that kind of life? You can. Her Money Club allows you to explore all of the possibilities to create the time, money, and joy your heart desires deep down. Tune in as we guide you in reimagining your relationship with money. Hello and welcome everyone to Her Money Club Stories. My name is Rachel Minnie. I am the founder of Her Money Club. The intention of these beautiful discussions is to collect women's stories of how they've overcome various challenges related to money and life and the journey that unfolds. Today we have a very special guest with us. I'm excited to look at and really understand the story of Athena. She comes to us from Tulum, Mexico, and I'm going to stop there because I want her to share how she got there, what her work is, and really what just lights her up in life. So take it from there. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, uh, you want to hear about how I got to Tulum? Yes. Amazing. Cool. So it's, it's actually a long journey and very much like rooted in my own money story, my own worth, but, um, basically the, the end of it, and I'm sure we'll get into the beginning in a little bit later was I was living in London and I, at the end of 2018 was just like deep in depression, hating my life. And I kept fantasizing about going somewhere tropical, like running away to a tropical island, but I was a partner in a high growth media startup. You know, I had the flat in London. I had the relationship. I I had the, you know, notable career and title and partnership in a business, but I was like miserable. And I was like, I, I have all the things I'm supposed to want, but I'm not happy. So it was like this fantasy of wanting to run away somewhere tropical. And then At the beginning of 2019, I just got fixated on this idea of wanting to feel superhuman, you know, because I kind of felt trapped in my own life. So it was like superheroes are like, they're free, they're strong and nobody messes with them, but they're lifting other people up at the same time and they can do whatever they want. And that fixation just ended up becoming um, what I went after. So I ended up like doing this non-drinking challenge that led me to explore aerial silks, which is the fabric that hangs from the ceiling yeah. that circus people do. Yeah. Right. And I was like 35, you know, and maybe went to an, you know, a dance class once a month kind of thing. So not in any sort of physical fitness whatsoever, but I started doing silks and it, it took me two months just to be able to climb the things, which is kind of a prerequisite, but I was flying, you know, it was like the epitome of superhuman. And then I started getting the strength because of that to look at other areas of my life and just realizing like, Hey, 
London makes me miserable. I love the sun. I love being somewhere tropical and hot. You know, there's never too hot for me. And also I'm not really happy with, with, you know, the career side of things and the business that I'm in. So I made a decision to plan. I did a long plan before I left, which I'm sure we can get into with money mindset stuff, right? The emotional quit versus the strategic quit, the final quit, like this is the last quit. So I made a plan over the course of seven months, ended up um, selling everything that I own, getting rid of my flat, leaving my business, packing all my belongings down to two suitcases and literally going to live with the Circus Collective in Indonesia so I could train on silks with legitimate Cirque du Soleil performers. And that was like within nine months, I think, of making that decision of wanting to feel superhuman. And I was living in this like bungalow bamboo bungalow in Indonesia with the wind like waves crashing just like meters away from me and just like oh my god like this is literally that fantasy I was having nine months ago and it was an incredible experience and I ended up going and traveling the world you know I called it a life sabbatical just figuring out what it was that I genuinely wanted to do and during that journey went to a bunch of places was doing consultancy you know to be able to support myself while i was doing that but not really feeling lit up by that and then i got an idea for a book to um talk about the process that i went through to get to that point like how did i take my obsession with optimization and working really hard and couple that with the physical performance and physical wellness and feeling like really strong and healthy in myself, something that had eluded me my entire life, but also the, the mindset stuff. And I realized I'd followed this, this process, which was much the same that I did for learning any new skill. So when applied to, you know, how do I get better at this one thing at work? I'd actually use that framework in, in other areas. So I wrote a book thinking like, oh, I'll publish a book and I'll go and speak you know, and my friend booked me to speak at South by Southwest because obviously the, the chick that like left everything and ran away to the circus is interesting. I was going to have a book published. And then that was the first event that was canceled with the, the lockdowns when coronavirus came, you know, so it was like literally thought everything was going for me. And weeks later, like it was just ripped out from under me as many people felt. But it was one of the best things that happened to me. A, um, it gave me a really long time to really explore what kind of business do I want to create next? Um, and B, it wasn't great at the time, but I was with my parents and I got trapped in the strictest, longest lockdown in the world in Panama. We, I, I was able to leave the house five times in six months. Holy shit. Wow. With my parents, right? Yeah. yeah. My mom and I had, a, you know, a kind of relationship where every time we were together, I'd turn into a screaming teenager and she'd turn into the mom of a teenager. And we were forced over the course of six months to like rewrite that relationship. And now like, she's my best friend, you know, it's something I always wanted. So there was two good things that came out of that. Um, but there was a total flight ban in Panama for six months. So I couldn't even get out of the country. And so the first flight that I could get on, I had this idea. I was like, Tulum seems to tick all the boxes of all the things that I want in the place that I live. It's completely open. You know, like they, there was no restrictions here. So life was just going on as normal. Literally the middle of the pandemic, September of 2020, I was, I went to Tulum and it was just like, ah, nothing's okay. That's the same time that I got here. Yeah. That's the exact same time. And it was just like, life is normal here. There's no yeah. fear. Like all the activities are happening. You could hug people like, you know, so, and I hadn't been on silks in six months. So, you know, I had to rebuild all, all that I 
wasn't able to have for six months and Tulum is a perfect place for me to do that. So literally the first flight out of Panama to Cancun, I was on that flight, had never been here before. And I got here and I was like, this is it. This is my happy place. And I was able to have silks. I was able to like start having events. I was able to like continue to really launch this business. Um, and I, you know, I've been here ever since. I'm a resident of Mexico now, as well as a dual citizen of the US and the UK. Right. And I plan on traveling in a couple of weeks again. So there you go. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Okay. There's a few pieces I want to dig into. So specifically in the transition of um, kind of the figuring it out phase of like, okay, you decide to quit and you're figuring it out in that time frame of the seven to nine months, you know, before actually like letting it all go, what were some of the fears and thoughts like that were coming up and how did you navigate them? Oh my gosh. I mean, literally as you were just talking, I'm like, clearly that's still there. I was worried what people were going to think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just crazy. And I was just like, I'm literally this cliche. I'm telling my clients, I had clients like the UK government office for science and just eat, which is, uh, you know, whatever the equivalent, I can't remember FTSE, FTSE 100 company, which is like the fortune 500, but 100 in the UK. Um, you know, clients like that. And I was like, so I'm going to Indonesia to live with the circus. And, and I was so worried what people would think, but they were like, I wish I could do that. Right. And in my head, I didn't say it to them, but in my head, I was like, you totally can. I, right. I just made a decision. I was going to do this and I'm doing, that's all it is, is making a decision. Right. But we're so afraid of what's on the other side of that decision and then all the other things start swirling in, like, how am I going to get make money? Um, you know, I was applying to go and live with like legitimate circus, like Cirque du Soleil performers. So there was a lot of, am I good enough? Am I going to be able to keep up? You know, maybe I'm too old for this. Da, 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 da. Um, so there was definitely a lot of, am I going to be able to support myself? Am I going to be able to keep up with these people? And, and ultimately, what are people going to think? You know, I didn't post on LinkedIn for a really long time after that, just because I was like, I feel like a crazy person for doing this, you know, and I have nothing to say, you know, I'm just like, kind of felt like I needed to hide or like go run away in a sense when I was doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up LinkedIn because I felt this way specific to LinkedIn because I feel like when I quit my corporate job, I had stripped away all of my legitimacy somehow. Like my identity now wasn't legitimate because I wasn't in a corporate office doing corporate things like the corporate box told me I had to be in, even though I have all this experience, I've done all, <laughs> like I have an abundance of, right. All of this knowledge and information, and I'm just stepping into a different looking box or right? an entrepreneurial box, whatever you want to call it. And so somehow, but I was making it mean that like, I wasn't legitimate in that. So post on LinkedIn, like no one wants to hear about it. Right. So how did you like overcome that? And like, I don't even know if you post on LinkedIn, I don't post much on LinkedIn. So I don't know if that matters to you, but I'm just curious, like, how did you kind of navigate that? Yeah. I mean, I have a couple remind me to tell you recently, the epiphany that I've had about LinkedIn. I definitely want to make sure that I get there, but you know, what, what you were feeling, what I were feeling 
what, what I was feeling, what so many women feel, especially when they start something new, um, is imposter syndrome, which we all know, but like, what does, you know, that term actually mean? How does that actually show up? Well, when we come from these backgrounds, these pedigrees, you know, like having these names behind us, all of a sudden it's like our, our, our whole identity was attached to our work output. So I see this with a lot of women that are starting businesses is they attach their worth to the results of their business rather than the effort. You know, it's like, if I try and I'm learning like that, that is worth something, but we have this culture where it's like, I'm not worthy unless I'm doing a good job or people are recognizing me for that. And the other thing that comes up is when we start businesses, we're afraid of being seen as playing small, as starting from scratch, as starting brand new. And this has happened with every single one of my businesses. This is my third, you know? <laughs> so, and, and that was kind of it. And I knew initially, like, I just hadn't figured out what my business was. So my departure from LinkedIn was A, like, okay, they're going to think I'm crazy. I've gone off to live at the circus. And B, I didn't have anything meaningful to say at that point. I needed to go off and figure out my own thing and why I would even come back on there. And, you know, my marketing strategist that I'm working with, she's like assigned me that I need to start going back on LinkedIn. And I was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do it. And it's like, and I, I went on there the other day and I was reading, I was like, everybody is speaking at me and no one is speaking to me. Yeah. Most people are miserable in their jobs, in their careers, in their lives. And that's evident when we're going onto a platform and fake celebrating each other, fake celebrating ourselves, fake celebrating our companies and like whatever, you know, and it's just like, look what we did, look what she did. Isn't she great for doing this and da, 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 da. It's like the epitome of seeking that validation outside of ourselves. And it's like, why would I even go on this platform? There's nothing useful for me here, absolutely nothing. So for women like you and I, knowing how we used to feel going on LinkedIn, you're probably looking for another job. Let's be honest. You're looking for another opportunity and every, the, everybody's just speaking at you. We have an opportunity to speak to them and tell them that there's this different life that exists that LinkedIn, like we don't, you know, LinkedIn doesn't matter in this life. It honestly doesn't matter. And we don't have to look outside of ourselves to feel good about ourselves. We don't have to look outside of ourselves for worthiness or, you know, somebody to tell us whether we've done a good job or not. We certainly don't need to post on a daily basis about what a good job that we're doing. You know, it's like, we just know that inherently when you're living a life that's one you designed for yourself, that's blocking out all of those external influences. So back to, you know, that, that, situation that I described in London, where it was like, I had ticked all the boxes of the things that were supposedly supposed to make me happy. And I had never been more miserable in my life. Yep. Yep. That's actually where I wanted to go next, because that is exactly like what I experienced is I checked all the boxes. I made lots of money. I had the, all the things, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I wasn't, the word that kept coming up for me was like fulfilled. Like, am I fulfilled in this? 
And the answer was consistently no. And it's like, well, what would it take for me to feel fulfilled? And so I'm curious your story and experience on that. Like when you were dreaming up this like ideal life and dream version of what it could look like, what what did you shift into thinking about? Like you checked all the boxes, right? But what were the new boxes to check? Yeah, it's, it was subtle. I didn't even realize I was doing it, but it was, it was the fundamental shift that gave me this life. That gave me the consistency of energy to create this life for myself because, you know, starting a business has challenges, whether, whether you're like in paradise or not, it has challenges. It's all like, how do you deal with those challenges? And this third attempt has not been without challenges, how I deal with those challenges, how those challenges, like, do they knock me the way that they would have a couple of years ago? Absolutely not. You know, it's so funny. I, Tulum has this like magical energy and this bird keeps tapping on the window right now, like literally like tapping on the window uh, and he's sitting there hanging out and birds have this whole, like, it's this whole thing, like at really poignant moments, they tend to tap on the window. So I sound really like crazy and woo woo there, but it's like, if you hear the tapping on the window, that's just a bird saying hi, probably like, yeah, share this. I love this. Um, that shift that I made and it's, the first thing that I work on with my clients, and even if you're not my client, it's the most important thing for you to think about. And I describe programming your GPS. If you get into a car and you don't know where the destination is, you're just going to like go like this. You're probably going to like run out of gas. You're going to get lost. It's not going to be enjoyable. You don't even know if you're in the driver's seat or not. Like you don't know what the warning lights mean or whether you should pay attention to them. And like, how am I going to get there? And am I going to even enjoy this ride? Everything is lost if we're not setting the destination, if we're programming our GPS. And what I mean by that is really, truly sitting with ourselves and thinking like, what would make me happy? What would my dream life look like? And for me, two things were really coming through. A, you know, tropical island, just being in a hot climate. When I'd been in London for 10 years, I have no idea how I survived that, you know, like that weather. And B was this idea of feeling superhuman. And that word was my true north for absolutely every decision that I made. So it was like, when something came up, it's like, is this helping me feel superhuman or is it preventing me from feeling superhuman? So things like drinking alcohol, it's like, well, I wanna be superwoman. So why would I mess with kryptonite? You know what I mean? It wasn't anything I was giving up. It was something that was holding me back. Whereas, before that point, before that absolute shift of what it, what would make me happy? Like, what does superhuman mean to me? And then just having that embedded so strongly, that feeling, you know, and it's like, for you, what does feeling fulfilled mean? For me, it was the word, you know, content, these emotions that we can latch onto are much, much stronger than creating goals that are based on outcomes. I want a six figure business. I want a car worth this much. I want a house worth this much. I want this many followers. I want to lose this many pounds. None of that means anything because it's not attached to how you want to feel or what you want your dream life to look like or what would make you happy. And chances are you haven't sat with yourself and figured it out. If those are the types of goals that you're setting without them being in service of getting you to that destination. So once we program our GPS, 
well, then it's like, okay, how much do I need to earn in order to get that dream life? You know, for me, I'm pretty damn near perfect in terms of the vision of what my happy life looks like. Maybe there's a cup. I want my own silk. I want my own pole. I want this little circus paradise in the ocean. I want somebody else to make my smoothies in the morning. I can make a guess now how much money I think that that's going to cost. Right. And then I can set goals based on that because it's like, I know exactly where I want to go, what I'm doing, how I'm spending my days. So that's often where I find the, the missing piece with a lot of women is that we've never been given permission or taught how to sit with ourselves and figure out like, what does that look like? Because once you're locked in on it, then it's like, you know, I mean, imagine driving your car and the GPS is telling you to go that way. And then somebody in the car is like, no, 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 we need to go left. And you're like, no, no, no. But the GPS says that way, you know, so it's just like programming your own GPS. Yes. I love that. That's a great ex example and analogy. And like to your point, and this is something I actually did a live about earlier. It was really just detracting from like, okay, you don't need like a retirement goal. Like you need a cash flow goal. You need a goal that is create your dream life. How much is that going to cost? And then fill in the gaps to get there, right? Like how many sources of income do you need? How much time do you have to spend to get there? Like what is going to be required to get you to that cash flow goal, which then you can create from a passive way of creating money coming to you versus like you always having to be putting out work to do something to receive something back and so it's like that new thinking of like giving and receiving type of flow so I love that you brought that up because it just supports like okay to be on this journey to live your life by design you also don't need to set same goals with money with retirement and this and that it's setting and thinking about goals differently because you know and trust yourself to set the gps to where you want to go and you just get there in a different route and you still get to everything that you desire um, what are some like goals that you've set based on maybe kind of looking out in your future, five, 10 years out? Like, do you have any thoughts around like what you want that to look like? Yeah, I, I love goal setting. Um, and I do it in a, in a number of different ways, you know, first and foremost, every year I check in with like, how do I want to feel this year? You know, so this year is grounded in stability and that grounding is just like that inner knowing, like really, really coming into like trusting my inner guidance system that we've been gaslit out of believing our whole lives, you know, from a very young age, we're taught to outsource decisions on absolutely everything. So, you know, first we need to come into our, ourselves, our inner knowing not just about money and business, but like our health. Like since when does somebody know more about your own body than you do? You know, like you're the one inhabiting it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's like, oh, no, you do like that feeling that you have, you better get that checked out by somebody else first, you know, or like you need to go to the doctor every year to make sure that you're feeling okay. Like just like routine checkups. Like just what? Anyway, that's, that's another conversation. Um, but back to goal setting every year I do a two day kind of like offline new year's process where I'll reflect on everything that happened last year. I'll look at all the goals that I set for myself and how I felt about them. So this year it was really interesting because like last year I set a ton of goals for myself and I didn't hit all of them. I was like, 
but I started stand-up comedy last year and I performed 50 times. Like that's most people's idea of absolute hell, you know? And I did it and it was fun and I learned a bunch from it. So it didn't, I realized it didn't really leave me a bunch of space for just, you know, life and trying new things and, and the inspiration that comes in the moment, but you still want to program your GPS. So this year I decided I am going to really like be rooted in that feeling and every new moon, which depending on how you are, like whatever new moon is like a great time to set new intentions. But you know, if you're not, it's just a time every month that, you know, like, Hey, this is when I check in with my goals. It's also when I do my financial checkup is on the new moon. So I'll check in with that feeling of how did I want to feel this year? Is that still feeling right? And then what goals am I assigning to my business and myself based on that? So that's where I'll get more specific with the short-term goals and use SMART goals, right? And like really get specific so that I know what success looks like when I get there. And SMART for anyone that doesn't know is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-bound. And it's essentially a framework. So you can say like, okay, I know exactly what this goal means so that I can decide whether I hit it or not. Because most of us set goals and we're like, I want to be financially abundant this year. Like, what does that actually mean? And we're probably like ambitious women and we're never good enough. So like, if we're not setting goals that we know that we achieve it, then we're, it's never enough. We never did enough. We never feel good enough. So it's really important to create goals that we can be like, I smashed that. So this, the smart goals will come out of the feeling overall for the year, but I've reduced the amount and I've created kind of categories for myself under like, what, you know, if I want to feel this way, what are the things that I need to achieve this year in order to do that? But with the five-year goals, I did something fun. Instead of setting super ambitious, like hit for the moon goals in the next year, I've just put them on a five-year list. And I've created a little vision board on my laptop and, you know, just put a whole list of things that like if any one of these things happened in five years, that would be incredible. You know, being on Tim Ferriss's podcast, Oh, having yeah. Brené Brown on my podcast, you know, having a Netflix comedy special, like these things that just sound absolutely ridiculous right now. And if any one of these things were to happen in five years, I would just be like, oh my God, but it's like, set it, forget it. But it's an intention. And I have a, you know, visual representation. I like Photoshop myself sitting next to Tim Ferriss. <laughs> like, you know, just these like stupid things, but your brain doesn't know the difference between movies and reality you know so if you're just like reminding yourself of that on a regular basis but that was taken from you know last year one of the goals I set was that I wanted a TED talk and I didn't get a TED talk but there, there weren't opportunities for me to have one so I felt bad about it but I was like there weren't the opportunities so set it stick it on the five-year list if I get a TED talk in the next five years great but it's not something that I'm measuring myself on over the next year. And even in five years, you know, I look at those, they'll probably be completely different in terms of what I desire, but at least I was putting them somewhere to like, feel good about setting those goals. It's like, there's still desires that are deep in me. I need to put them somewhere, but I don't want to put them in the next year because then I'll feel bad if they don't happen, you know? And I think that's what a lot of women do, particularly when they start out in their businesses. And this is certainly what I did in my first business that killed it was I was over ambitious and unrealistic with the numbers and the targets that I sent. So that when, you know, when I launched my product and it didn't meet my expectations, I 
had no gas left in the tank and I kind of, you know, gave up at that point. Cause I was like, well, if it didn't hit those then there's no point in me doing it. And actually in retrospect, the numbers that I got initially were really good for a business at the stage that I was at, but I just didn't know that. Yeah. I'm glad you're bringing this up. I know it's something you want to talk about too. It's like debunking this whole, um, false reality around like, you know, creating six figures and like what, what is required to do that. So would you mind just sharing like your thought process on it and kind of alleviating and giving ourselves grace in what that gets to look like? Yeah. I don't know where this number came from, but like it's everywhere on the internet right now. I saw a woman the other day that's like doing courses that are guaranteeing six figures in 90 days. Guaranteeing. I was like, girl, you're going to have a lot of lawsuits on your hands. Yeah. The type of people that will be attracted to something like that are not the people that are genuinely good. You know, it is not easy to create a six figure business. No matter how many businesses that you've started before, no matter what your background is, you're starting something completely new. You're starting from scratch. And even though I have mentored hundreds of startups, this is now my third startup. I am not exempt from this process. This is just the process that we go through. So I feel really passionate about this because as business, as entrepreneurs, like I said, we're doing something completely new that nobody has ever done before. It's a marathon, not a sprint. On average, it takes four years to stabilize your business. This is in my own experience. This is in working with like hundreds of other startups. This is in interviewing my like amazing friends who had six-figure businesses. Four years to stabilize the business. That does not mean you're not going to earn income before that point, but there is a lot of what I call throwing at the wall and seeing what bits stick and then seeing if you can repeat the bits that stuck and then they don't stick at all. And then you're like, oh my God, I threw it exactly the same. Like, why didn't that work? You know, it's like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of just like the first two years are basically in the first two years of you being all in, like fully all into that business. The first two years are just repeating that process, throwing it into the wall and seeing what sticks and seeing if you can repeat that and why it's stuck in the first place and figuring it out. So you're basically in this exploration, like scientific observation mode in your business, but actively creating those, those experiments, you know, but yeah. So from you can, you, if you're fully all in and you're fully invested in that process, and not killing yourself in the process too, because the burnout, the energy management, the anxiety, the overwhelm, all of that needs to be managed in order for you to get to six figures, because it takes a lot of work, but it also takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of calm. It takes a lot of strategy. It takes a lot of energy management. If you burn out, your business does too. Mm-hmm. So two years at least, like, and that's like, really hardcore going for it, but four years to stabilize. And by stabilize, I mean, having a predictable revenue stream, you know what you need to do in order to get the revenue. So now it's just a matter of growth, right? It's a matter of scaling. So can I get the right team in to do the things that are holding us back that are creating a bottleneck for me being able to scale the business. And this is where I see a lot of businesses fail. And this is where my second business failed because the founders were a mess me and my business partner, we couldn't keep people long enough, you know, because they got in there and they were like, I'm out, you know, <laughs> I'm not staying here. So yeah. you don't realize how not having yourself together and being in a good place 
is not only disruptive to you getting to that first milestone, but it's also disruptive from you getting past it. So that's where I got really passionate my, you know, for myself and, and what I saw with my friends and what I saw with like brilliant businesses that couldn't get off the ground or couldn't scale their amazing businesses that they had is that the founder was a mess, right? So how do we create that structure and that stability for ourselves to be able to receive the abundance, you know, and, and be able to scale it and do it in a way where we're still enjoying our lives. We're taking care of ourselves. We feel our best. We're in a great mood, you know, and then our customers feel valued because of that. Our team feels valued because of that. Anyone that we work with feels valued because we value ourselves. And we're building businesses that are rooted in our desires rather than ones that are rooted in, I need to leave this bit. I need to like quit, you know, and start a business right now. Or like just these like freak out moments where we're starting businesses or doing it based on what we think we should do instead of enjoying the process and creating a business that's genuinely going to get you out of bed every day because it's your soul's purpose. Yeah. And tuning into that and refining it. And I love that you brought the experimental process up. Like that's something I realized really early on is like, okay, this is an experiment, like pretty much every day. <laughs> like we're just playing, we are having fun. And the only way that I was able to get through that was to experiment and was to play and to not make it mean anything about myself and to yes. like in, in my own identity, continue to like, okay, redefine, redefine and not make it mean anything. Like that was most of the first year. <laughs> so, oh man, bringing back lots of memories. Um, and I also want to point out something that you mentioned, which you actually just helped me integrate even further and something I did, but didn't realize that I did when I hired people, it's so important to almost like upgrade your leadership style. Like I had led people before, but doing it in my own business, one, I made it mean a lot more, right? And I didn't feel like I had it together. And therefore that translated into how they felt when they were doing things frantically. So the more I was able to create standard operating procedures, create the structure that they needed, like the better that they perform, obviously, like these things are all obvious, but until you actually sit in it and do it and experience it and lead through it like it's you, you don't know what you don't know until you get there so I, I love that you brought that up um okay before we wrap up I would love for you to share the work that you do and how people can connect with you and I know you have a free something to share as well yeah I would love to thank you for letting me share that it's, it's my life's passion you know based on this experience I'm an ambitious woman. I love being an ambitious woman and I love performing at my highest level. It's been something I've always been obsessed with, you know? And what I realized through these experiences in my businesses and, and working with these other businesses is like, you can still be super high performance without killing yourself. High performance does not mean burnout. High performance does not mean killing yourself. It's, it's actually the antithesis of that, you know? So I'm a high performance coach for ambitious women who want to feel superhuman mentally, physically, and at work so you can feel unrestricted. And by that, I mean, if you feel in any way trapped in any part of your life, in your business, in your career, trapped in your body and not sure how to like feel your best, you're trapped in that imposter syndrome or the overwhelm, the anxiety or ADHD or whatever, there's some part of us that feels limited by that. And when we create systems, structures, routines, habits that are in service of us, we can become 
ridiculously happy. That's how we create freedom for ourselves. Because if we're not in control of ourselves, someone or something else is, right? And as founders, if we're wanting to start businesses, it's even more crucial, as you mentioned, to be in control of ourselves. It's not only the operating systems in the business, but it's how we operate as a human. And every crappy boss that you've had, I bet if you looked into their personal life and it was in shambles, they weren't taking care of themselves. If you think of your great bosses, if you think of the inspiring people that you had in your life, they valued themselves. They had great boundaries. They had great self-care. They meditated or they made sure that they took time with the family or that they were taking care of their health, right? So that's my life's mission is to help women feel like that, to create the foundation to absolutely thrive at work. If they want to start businesses or a lot of my clients find out they think they want to start businesses and they realize the problem starts with them and then the job affords them to be able to have the lifestyle that they want. And then they end up getting promoted by working less and valuing themselves more. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, I want to offer a free habits audit where you can get on the phone with me and we're going to go through all of your teams, all of your habits. And what you don't realize is that they're probably like some things that are causing the disruption for time management or not sticking to a routine or feeling like you always have to wait for adrenaline to kick in to get a project done or even you know your finance stuff it all is rooted usually from the same place so when we can identify like where are the blind spots where are the roadblocks then unblocking that will help you to be able to create consistency and start creating habits and routines that will be in service of finding your happy place. So if you go to athenasimpson.com slash habits dash audit, you can book a free call in with me and we'll go through everything. And hopefully I can help you spot where the roadblocks are for your habits. Beautiful. I love it. And I'll also link it in the show notes so everyone can access it that way. Um, and where can people find you? Facebook, Instagram, how do people find you? I am on, I mean, I'm going to be on LinkedIn more, <laughs> but my main, my main place is Instagram. So Athena.Simpson is my Instagram handle, or you can go to my website where uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter or like see all the things that's athenasimpson.com. But yeah, Instagram is probably the best social media channel, um, but we'll see what I get down with on LinkedIn. I'm kind of excited to like go in there and play and be mischievous and break some LinkedIn rules, you know? Yes. <laughs> You're inspiring me because I'm like, I've been thinking about this as well. And I'm like, I, there's like something calling me there and I'm over the, like, you know, caring what other people think at this point, but now it's like, okay, the only thing is I just want a strategy for it. So that's where I'm like headed next. So, you know, I think if we go in there and we add value, yeah. And we talk to people rather than talking at them. Like we're going to stand out massively because it's like my entire feed. I'm just like, you're just talking at me and I'm getting nothing from this, you know? And the, the, the few posts where someone's offering me something, they make me stop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were miserable at one point in our old lives and we needed women like us to be like, Hey, you can do this. This is available to you. Like this whole new world is available. So it's like, our duty to go back into the matrix yes. and tell these women. <laughs> I'm sensing that. Yes. It's like, it keeps going up for me. So I'm like, okay, be the bridge, Rachel. You got this. Like, 
Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure hearing your story and chatting with you. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to meet you. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to share. I love the work that you're doing. It's important yeah, for both of us. Thank you.